Hi and welcome to the sweet spot on a farm episode 50. Today we're on a running track and I'll tell you why in a minute but um, in case you just randomly tuned in and um, have no idea what to expect let me tell you that this podcast is all about health and food. The sweet spot on a farm is my search for an answer to how can we achieve healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally? And I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. And I bring in some interesting guests who have a lot of valuable information to share and who can provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and every one of us. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals, organic farmers and food producers, therapists and anyone whose business and life mission it is to keep the rest of us healthy. I ask them about their work, their passions and their lifestyles and I wonder what they like to eat. And we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. And my guest today is another lady. I've just realized actually that my... That I only have had female guests lined up since the the end of the lockdown, which I haven't done on purpose. Um, But girls clearly run the world, it seems, these days. And this one literally does. Because today I'm talking to a Northern Irish female athlete you may know on social media as Run Kerry Run. Hi Kerry, how are you? Hi, I'm brilliant, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, so we're sitting at Mary's Peter's truck where you normally train. Um, is this the only place you train or do you train anywhere else? No, I train locally at home. So um, I'm originally from Newcastle County Down and uh, we've got some fantastic running routes there. We've got Murloc Beach, we've got Tullymore Forest Park, Castle Welland Forest Park with a lovely lake which we run around. Um, so sort of on a daily basis they would be my, my training grounds. But um, I come over here to the Mary Peters track in Belfast to um, do my track training about twice a week when it gets into track season um, so this is a fantastic venue and I've been coming here since about the age of 13 to train on this track um, so it holds some great memories for me um, and I'm still you know running around in circles here and enjoying it. This is a really lovely place I actually had no idea this is this is here at all and we're surrounded by parks so we're in the middle of a little valley with surrounded by trees and forest parks and this is absolutely amazing it's really lovely and today's bank holiday so there's hardly anybody here it looks really empty it's it's beautiful yeah it's a fantastic venue and you've got the lag and tow path you know just down the hill there and um, so it's great for warm-up running running down there and um, there's the um queen's pitches behind us um so lots of grass there to run on as well and then of course the mary peters track here in a in a lovely little dip um so it's it's great for training it's great for racing as well um, we'll get to racing and, and training in more detail um, shortly. Um, I want to know everything about you and I want to know what it's like to be a female athlete, what it's like to grow up wanting to be a female athlete. And, and actually, let's start with that. So you mentioned that you've been training here since you were 13. Tell me, is that being a female athlete, is that something, running, is that something that you always wanted to do or was there anything else that you really wanted to do growing up yeah um I guess like any young girl you know you're sort of looking at the pop stars and so on and you know I always loved singing when I was younger so I guess you know I sort of had wee dreams of you know growing up and being a singer and things like that and I was very into art as well so I liked you know drawing and creating um so I was very arty as well um but you know running came to me um during school 
I ran cross country in school and then there was a road race in my local town of Newcastle and I participated in it over 3k on the road and did very well. There was only a couple of boys that finished ahead of me. So from there, the athletics club in Newcastle spoke to my dad and said, you know, she, she looks like she could be good. So I never really looked back after that. You know, I started training with Newcastle Athletics Club at the age of 13. And within a year, I made the um, Irish schools cross country team. So that was my first international vest. And then after that, I had a go at the track and was brought here to the Mary Peters track and absolutely loved it. Um, always preferred the track then to the mucky cross country. Um, so really, I got the running bug really, really early and just always loved it. Um, it's always been a great sport, a great friendly sport. You know, there's, you've, I've always made fantastic friends along the way. Um, yes, you get competitive with each other. When you get on that start line, you're very, very competitive, but it's a very, very friendly sport, I find. Um, I've made friends all over the world. I've traveled with it as well. So it was just something I, I always loved, you know, not just the, the healthy running side of it and the endorphins you get from running, or you know, um, sort of the the competition of traveling the world and everything. It was it's really about the friends I've made. I think along the way, sort of lifelong friends um, from all different countries now, which is fantastic. And um, you know, there is a real. I think athletics is one of those sports where there's people from all sides of the community as well. Um, no matter what background you're from, there's just people from every background competing in athletics, and there's there's an event for everybody as well within athletics. Um, but yeah I got the running bug early and you know that's although I you know was in education stayed in education for for a long time I went to went to university and went on to do my um PGC for teaching and became a, a PE teacher you know I loved sports so I wanted to teach the sport then so I coached a bit and uh, became a PE teacher and I, I still do that part-time uh, so I always sort of made sure my career was in place um, and I guess then you know when I did get then very good at the running um, over the 3000 metre steeplechase that's when I was looking towards making major championships and wanting to take a, a step back from working as a coach and working as a teacher and try and go full time to try and make the Olympics. And was it always just running? Was there has any other discipline ever crossed your mind? Would you look anywhere else or was it just, just running and that's it? Nothing Sport, else? Sports-wise? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, at the beginning, I started off with cross-country and enjoyed the cross-country um, and made the, the Irish team a few times for European cross-country. I think I made my first um, appearance in 20, 20, or 2008. Sorry. Yes, 2008. And really, from there, though, I always loved the track when I was younger I was an 800 and 1500 meter runner and then as I got a bit older I was trying 5000 meters um, and it wasn't until the age of 30 that I had to go with the 3000 meter steeplechase um, so anybody that doesn't know that event um, it's where we hurdle the barriers around the track and there's a, there's a water jump to hurdle as well so I find that you know I was a good 1500 meter runner I was also good at 5000 but always sort of missing say qualifying times for major events on those on those two events um so my sweet spot was 3000 meters um, and that's that's not a flat event for for women internationally um it's it's the steeplechase so i thought you know i'll give this a go so really um you know i find 
my nation athletics um but i did try the different running events there you know from 800 you know 5000 10000 as well and then found that you know having a go at the steeplechase i really took to it and you know i was running good times and you know getting towards then the times that you needed to make major championships um when i look at athletics though you know along the years when i was a junior i maybe had a go at the javelin and a go at the long jump and so on um but i didn't have you know the sort of the, the speed and power for that um and but i do i do like the events you know if i was to pick a field event i think i would maybe pick javelin over over any of the rest of them to have a go at um and then sports wise i in the past i have had a go at at uh, female soccer you know I, i did play football for a while um and and i really enjoyed that you know being in the, in a team and so on because athletics can be lonely at times even though i'm maybe training with people from my club there's a lot of days and nights where you're going out and, and running on your own and um, so i have had a go at other sports you know the, the the soccer and so on and i did play a bit of netball at school but i think you know it was the, the running you know i i was talented at the running as a junior and and that's you know why i then looked at making you know a, a career out of it to try and make the olympics This is it it's just sounds like running was it was just a fate it seems like that's yeah. made for you but what is it about running that earned your love and dedication i know you talked about making friends and traveling but before that what is it that just made you think oh my god this is this is it this this is me yeah i think for me and and running i think you know when you build it up you know in a, during a space of time i think it's the endorphins you get from the running um you know i even you know i've talked to people who have maybe just taken up running or people that just do it you know um you know say on a casual basis um just to clear their heads and the feeling you get you know when you're you know maybe stressed with work or or other things in life and you just go out the door um and you feel your the wind through your hair like we are now and you know you just go out and you know you can escape you can think about things while you're running you know my mind everybody always asks me you know do I listen to music you know what music do I listen to when I run and it's it's not very often I would put a pair of headphones on and listen to music when I'm running I like to think um you know I think about you know what I'm having for dinner <laughs> later on um I think you know I, pl- I plan a lot of things I um write my blogs in my head you know when I'm out for runs you know I think you know you can just you can get very creative when you're out running there's just something about running that you're you know going out the door you're escaping um it's it's great for the mind and you just feel so much better after it um and i think for me you know because i had a talent at it um and then when i put you know blocks of training in you know um and scheduled you know you know proper blocks of training together along with the coach um then the improvements were the the achievement you got from you know seeing your improvements um you know reaching goals um even you know winning medals on the track um and the goal the goal setting was very very, very you know a, um was a big achievement for me each time you know you would maybe look at a season and say okay there's there's um this championship i want to make um and it was really the build up towards that and the, and the goal setting along the way um you know there's there's been disappointment along the way as well and and that's been hard to take but i guess you know the the good times really outweigh the bad times you know when you get when you get to that stage um but i really do think you know running for anybody is a great sort of mental mental release and a you know a stress release um and and i think maybe you know that's one thing that 
you know, I always uh, will do is run. Um, no matter, you know, obviously <laughs> the competitive side of it will, you know, end internationally for me at some stage. Um, but I think, you know, I've always said I'll still, if I, when I retire, I'll not stop running. I'll still still put on my shoes and, and get out the door because, you know, it's 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 great for it's great for the mind and you know for a healthy body as well. I have to tell you, I've about a million things I could rather do for stress release than running. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying, but fair play to you and people like you who run because I think it's just a stupid exercise. <laughs> I've I've had a few friends who one friend who's taken to marathons, um, and she would have never have thought about running her life. And you know, she said to me, Kerry, I used to think you were absolutely crazy you know the 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 mileage you would run every week going out the door in all weathers and she says but now I understand you know she only started a handful of years you know a couple of years ago um and you know she she wasn't really sporty she you know would look at me and sort of think you know that girl's crazy you know um but she understands now and she absolutely loves it um and she now knows she gets a bit grumpy and things like that you know when she doesn't get her run done if she doesn't get out the door um so you know I know I know a lot of people who have all have thought you know oh you know oh no running's not for me and and I suppose there are days where running's not for me as well there's some days where you know maybe if I've um you know got a bit of a niggle or an injury um I can't go out the door or you know some days you know I'm just not feeling great and it's like right I need a rest day so there's days where you know I'm thinking I need a I need a break I need a break from running um you know so there's there's times where I need a break from it as well especially at the end of a long season too um but uh no I think if you give it a wee go (laughs) I did trust me I did I hate running (laughs) it's just do you know what it's too much effort and I'm 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 probably not naturally a lazy shite that's what it is because I do you know I'll go for a swim I'll swim in winter the water can be five six degrees I don't care I'll go for a swim that's fine because you're lying down Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on run when you're running no you actually have to put the effort <laughs> put the effort in no that's just not <laughs> no put me on a bike when I can sit on my bum put me in a boat where I can sit on my bum put yeah. me in the water where I can lie down it's perfect but running nah <laughs> nah fair play but I did do you know what I actually funny enough I did when I was about 14 15 uh, for two years, I uh, was a member of athletic club, mm-hmm. and I did light athletics. And one of the disciplines I did, <laughs> I don't know why, but I did four hundred meters over the hurdles. And I actually did like it because it was short distance. It was just a brief sprint. It was over in a jiffy. <laughs> yeah. See, maybe maybe you're a sprinter at hearts. Maybe you're a sprinter. but um no i'd running's just not for me but it's it's for it's lovely to watch like i admire my partner runs and he he runs sort of 5k a few times a week and he does half marathons and fair play i did 5k once actually during lockdown because i was challenged to do it for charity never again (laughs) never again do you know i love the way it makes you feel so i totally get that yeah but i get the same feeling from a swim I do not like the process of running because I get bored. (laughs) 
I just get bored and I don't understand runners who can actually run and talk at the same time because my partner wanted to have a wee chat while we were running the 5k I'm just like no please shut up don't talk to me <laughs> I'm trying not to die in here I'm trying to focus on my breathing I'm trying to focus on my movement because if I keep talking I'm probably gonna drop dead in about 500 meters <laughs> and he would just run and shut I'm just like no no I can't talk <laughs> no well we'll get you on the track here and we'll um let you do a couple hundred hundred meters yeah good luck with that <laughs> but anyway um what makes it good runner because I, I suppose it's dedication it's training but are there any sort of prerequisites you have to have to actually be good runner to become professional yeah I think you've got to be resilient and you know you've got to have persistence as well I I wasn't an overnight success you know I wasn't um you know a teenage protege of any sort um I was I was good you know I had I had a talent I could make you know schools cross country teams um I would come on out to the track here and I I won um 800 meters and 1500 meters you know Ulster junior medals um uh, but I wasn't you know the next big thing um it was really it was it was in it was enjoying it along the way all the time um but it was it, it was hard it was hard work to get to where I got to for for the Olympics many many years of injuries setbacks and times where I thought you know I'm I'm maybe just not maybe just not good enough but there was just always something in the back of my mind that you know I knew I had the dedication and to put the hard work in um whenever my coach Richard you know gave me something to do give me a schedule you know I always did it um when I was then at the physio when I was injured and I was given rehab to do I did it you know um I was always quite disciplined with myself you know getting the job done whatever training session it was you know I, I would get it done um so I th- you know I think you know I've had a great resilience over the years because I have had setbacks and I have had injuries um and you know from starting at the age of 13 and being quite a good junior you know running up into the age of 18 and and then you know um going to university and so on and maybe taking a bit of a st- step back from the competitive side of it because I was traveling from Newcastle to to Belfast to to university um every day back and forth <laughs> and I just I don't I didn't really lose the love of it. I think it was just I was just tired all the time traveling. Um but I knew there was sort of when I was hitting, you know, early 20s, um I was I was back running and um doing some mountain running competitively and and really enjoying it and enjoying the trips there. Um I ran for for Ireland um in 2005 at the the World Championships in New Zealand and really enjoyed that, but that was sort of a turning point for me where I thought um I really want to get back to the track. I love the track. You know, I've always loved the track and then, you know, it was it was then um you know having a go at different disciplines the 1500 meters again and really getting my times down there and then having a go at the 5000 then as I said at the age of 30 it wasn't until the age of 30 that I took to the steeplechase um because there was just something always there that um I had unfinished business in athletics and and especially on the track and I was really sort of getting inspiration from you know watching the previous Olympics and so on and and thinking you know I really want to do that I really want to be there and um, that's that's something that that I want to achieve for myself um and I know if I work hard enough I can you know I can be good enough to to get there so you know I guess what makes you know you know a 
an athlete get to that level is really you know not giving up and you know keep believing in yourself because there was times where you know I could have thrown the towel in and and I didn't you know you know injuries and so on and maybe not being selected for a team um but I thought right no I'm just gonna keep you know banging at the door until the door comes down (laughs) so it was it's just for me it's been you know not giving up and really believing in myself and and really going for 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 that dream you know really sort of slogging it out when when times got tough and and really you know it was it was something I wanted to achieve you know getting to the Olympics and 2012 um I was very close at making the Olympics um but uh picked up picked up a an injury in America when I was only a handful of seconds off the qualifying time and never then got back on that time that I ran um, because my Achilles was just getting worse and worse and my grandfather had passed away as well when I was away so 2012 was was tough for me not making that Olympics that I was trying to get to um, so 2012 and 13 were were pretty pretty tough times to get through but I knew you know for for me and and from from a, also my grandfather's memory because he he saw my last race um on an iPad um my brother brought the iPad into the hospital and he, and he watched my last race um and he knew I was trying to make the the 2020 Olympics in London you know and he said to them oh she's going to she's going to do it she's going to do it you know knowing that he didn't have an awful lot of time left so um that was a big drive within me then that you know it was gotten not making it and gotten losing him but the next time the next cycle coming around the next four years I knew right you've got this close to making it um you know your papa didn't see you making you know all this effort he didn't see the injury thank goodness but you know I'm gonna make sure I make this next one you know and there's really you know that drive as well so I think you know a lot of things in people's lives you know drive them towards something as well and um you know I guess the the support of my family and um really wanting to do something for somebody as well you know help me you know push that forward and 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 drive to make the Rio Rio 2016 um but yeah sort of resilience um persistence and being pretty stubborn as well (laughs) yeah I guess that helps (laughs) um let's talk about this because I think this is really important and it's in any sport Mm -hmm. Um, I mean being successful always depends on how resilient you can be to the failures and everybody has failures everybody has setbacks but what was your biggest apart from the Olympics 2012 because I can can imagine that must have been really tough what what was the other biggest setback and what was the biggest victory for you? Um so you know that in 2012 you know not you know not making that olympics um and losing my papa was it was horrendous so for me in my career that's been sort of the biggest setback there um because then you know i've obviously gone on to make an olympics and he hasn't been here you know so that that still hurts really badly you know um but you know that was the real driving force for me then you know pushing on to make 2016 so I guess then you know the biggest achievement then going into 2016 was was 2015 when I actually ran the Olympic qualifying time and it was the the qualifying time for the world championships as well and um, so um letter Kenny AC put on a race in in Donegal and we had uh steeplechase athletes come from America um we had a Polish pacemaker 
um, a few other girls from around the globe and uh, they put on a really good race for us um, because they could see, you know, myself, Michelle and Sarah, who are the other two steeplechasers um, in Ireland, you know, they could see that, you know, we were pretty, we were pretty close to, to getting a standard and they believed in us. So this race was put on and um, the, the, three, the three of us made the Olympic standard in that race. It was it was unbelievable and and I guess for me that's the that's the biggest achievement so far you know in line with um, stepping out on that track in Rio and becoming an Olympian and running at the Olympic Games but it was the the qualifying you know to get there it was that it was that race that night in in Letterkenny um, and it wasn't a calm night it was it was windy it was a bit cool um but everything just every everything just clicked that night you know um i was i was in good shape i i was healthy i didn't i was carrying no injuries and i think for steeplechase it's a really really hard event everything has to go right um and everything clicked into place that that night and getting the olympic qualifier was just was just unbelievable um so then you know going into the rest of the 2015 season we had the world championships because myself and michelle had had run the time there and sarah got to go as well so three of us made the world championships we we went to the world championships in beijing in 2015 um and then you know 2016 was the big year which was nice coming into 2016 having the olympic qualifier and not having to chase down a time and so we could really concentrate on um staying healthy injury free and you know getting ourselves to the competition in the best shape possible and that year was the european championships as well so the three of us um a month before our olympics we went to the european championships in amsterdam and all three of us um actually made the final there as well so we went through the heats and then we had the final um two days later after that and so you know that that was great because that was a great stepping stone to then our major competition at the olympics and and i guess you know really the the pinnacle of the career and and you know something that i'm most proudest of really is you know making that olympic games and being there in rio and walking out onto into that stadium and you know towing the line and um you know running my olympic steeplechase um i guess nothing in the rest of my career can compare to that you know um obviously you know winning a medal at that level would be lovely um but um you know being there um is is probably the the biggest achievement i would say of of my running career I think this is such an amazingly healthy attitude because a lot of people could beat themselves up for, yeah, I've been at the Olympics, I, I, I never won. And, and you're yeah. listing as actually qualifying for the Olympics being the best achievement. It's such a healthy attitude to me. I mean, it sounds like you're really firmly on the ground with both feet and, and you really appreciate any achievement that you can you can make. And I think there's one point that I think is incredibly important that you mentioned is that you were injury-free and you were healthy. And I think this must be such a great factor in any athlete's career. You know, I guess how you're feeling inside and outside when you're running a qualifier or when you're qualifying for anything that can really affect your your time and and how you do on that particular day and um this really interests me because i think that this is where male and female athletes slightly differ 
And I think th- this is something that you brought up recently on social media. And I think it's incredibly important because it's not just overall health, but for a woman, um, the monthly cycle plays a massive, massive role. And I remember that from my early teenage years, whenever I was, um, I was uh, a member of the athletics club, I, I remember there were pretty much every single month, I had two days when I couldn't go for a training mm-hmm. because I just couldn't get out of bed for for the pain and how, how do female athletes deal with this yeah i guess some some don't have any problems at all and and some have major problems some have slight problems um for me sort of over the years um i i was running fine with mine um because i was on the contraceptive pill for for a good lot of years um because my cycles had had you know been up and down beforehand um and had been really uncomfortable um so with racing I you know I remember you know sort of um you know being in my uh, early 20s and knowing that um you know my cycle was affecting me so and unaffecting me you know racing and training um so I went on to the contraceptive pill back then and over the years things seemed to be going absolutely fine um but I'd been on that for 15 years or so so in 2018 um I I came off that um as part of um a a study for somebody um on female hormones and and um, exercise uh but also um because we didn't really know where my cycles were you know because the contraceptive pill sort of um you know it's it's sort of like a fake period you would have with it when you when you come off the three weeks so um we wanted to also make sure you know you know at the age of um you know 36 37 that you know I was having you know regular cycles and so it did take a wee while for those to to kick in properly again and but when they did my running was horrendous if my cycle fell um I would just experience what people experience when they hit the wall in a marathon. No matter if it was maybe 1,500 metres, whether it was steeplechase. Um, I would be okay the first kilometre, the first two kilometres. But seeing kilometre number three in the steeplechase, everything would just go. Like my legs would go to jelly. So we've monitored that over the past couple of years there. And then most re- more recently last year and this year, I've been really, really struggling with it. And, you know, hence my, my post on Instagram um, last week, because I, I went to the national championships after running um, a good 5k here at the Mary Peters track uh, the previous week. Um, and I have been... Um, back since uh since a major major injury so you know i understand that you know i'm not i'm not at the moment i'm not going to run a pb um and i'm just getting back to to racing for the first time in in a year um due to uh you know the pandemic and due to um last september i was pushed in a race and broke my foot so i've been through two foot surgeries as well um so you know I understand that it's going to take a while for my body to get back to racing but when the when I got to do a couple of races there recently um I have done three what two went really bad and one went well and on the two that went bad you know bang my cycle arrived (laughs) so you know it's it's really I'm myself and my coach has monitored it and we we write down every training session down every single day and and races and so on and we put notes in with that too and you know 
it's it's not just been one of those things you know it 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 has been my monthly cycle you know messing things up for me and and for me it's it's hormone wise um yes I sort of get symptoms that you know would would cause me pain and bloating and so on um but for me it's the the change in hormones and the drop of hormones that then um don't allow me to get enough oxygen to the working muscles um so so we've 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 looked at research and, and although there's not um quite enough research out about it looking at female athletes and their cycles um you know i can i've done a bit of research and reading into it um and looked at how it's been affecting me and my signs and symptoms of what's been happening when you know i have my period and i'm I'm running a race and and it's just it just feels horrendous you know i can get through the first couple of laps and then all of a sudden it's like you know it feels as if i'm ill you know that that i've maybe gone out there and run with a cold or an underlying virus or something um it's 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 a it's it's like i just go into um oxygen depth and lactic really really quickly when i have my period and i'm racing and i've just not been able to control that over the past couple of years you know so i am looking at going back on the contraceptive pill to see if i can you know sort that out again because looking at it there's nothing a female can change nutritional wise to sort the hormones out yes there are um, nutritional things you can do um, to help with the other symptoms you know like your your bloating or your um, inflammation that your your body would have during those times but for the hor- hormones when you've got a drop in those hormones there's there's nothing you can do bar you know um either have um one of the implants or a, or be taking a contraceptive pill that can help you balance those hormones again um so it's either you know you just run through it and if you have a bad performance you have a bad performance and you just have to you know forget about it and move on um or you you don't run um or you maybe you know try try and work through it with um one of the contraceptive pills or implants to to sort of help you balance things if, if it's the hormones that's really the hormones and symptoms that are really causing you problems um so it is a tricky one um i find the fitter woman app is very good at tracking my cycle um, it gives me good information as well on on diet and exercise and well with whether to you know back it, it'll tell you to back off you know at, at certain stages of your cycle where your body's going to be experiencing inflammatory reactions and so on um, but as an international athlete you can't you can't really do that you know I can't really come to say a Tuesday session and say right well I'm not going to run my session you know because I've got my period and it's not going to go well or it's you know it's just you can't really you can't really chop and change it's not it's not an injury you know if I'm coming into a session day and I've got an injury yes you know I have to back off or maybe need to change the session to another day but you know with your cycle it's 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 not something you can do you know when you've got the training plan there you know if it fell at the Olympics you know <laughs> you weren't not going to run your Olympic race you know you would have gone and run it and, and done the best you could do um luckily enough mine didn't <laughs> but it, it has been it has been hard and since I put the post up last week I you know I got lots of engagement from people who are suffering as well who are looking for the answer um and I guess there's not one at the minute I guess there's just you've you know if if you really suffer um from the point of you know when you're exercising or you know competing in any sports and your period you know lands and 
it's something that you know really affects you um I guess it's just trial and error on maybe trying different things that might work you know um to help with those things but it's one I'm struggling with at the minute and haven't really come up with the answer I guess it must be really difficult to know that say you have a major race coming up and you know it's falling on the day Mm -hmm. of your period and and you know you're probably not gonna do as well as you could not have in the period and I, I think because this is something we can't control I mean nature is nature and we shouldn't mess with it it's best not to in my own experience anyway I think the only way we can push through this is simply if we can't control what is happening I guess we can control how we react to it Mm -hmm. and take the ownership of our responses and push through as as you said yeah and and, and just accepting I guess accepting the fact okay if I'm not gonna do as well today I, I know why and and you know that's fine I'll do better next time yeah that that's it and the thing is you know if you do get stressed out about it you know the you know the the stress hormones then kick in and then that's even more detrimental to your performance um and you know losing that confidence as well knowing that your your period's going to land with it within a race right I'm not going to do so well and and you know when you you know talk yourself down your your performance decreases as well so for me last week you know I I knew I was hitting that time in my cycle and but I didn't let it get to my head I didn't I didn't even think about it I didn't think about it at all it wasn't even in my head um and I ran the race and and came across the line thinking what what what's wrong what's wrong and you know when I went to see my coach afterwards he says look Carrie that wasn't you today it's your hormones and it was him that said sort of straight away because he knew and I was like yeah actually you know um because it was arriving you know the day after um and it was it's just I guess it's just hard to take sometimes because you know knowing that you know I I was fit enough to actually um you know go for a medal last week at the national championships you know even though I'm only coming back from injury you know I'd, I'd run a time the week before that um could have um got me the silver or bronze possibly you know last weekend um but to then run you know 30 odd seconds under par and feeling horrendous you know it was like right searching for the answer what's the answer what's the answer and then I was like gosh actually yeah you know my period's due tomorrow this is this is what has been happening um and I guess it's hard to accept sometimes and I don't like then going and making excuses but I felt you know then that last week gosh you know I myself and one of my other friends um she had a race elsewhere and um her cycle fell as well and you know she she didn't run well and it it really upset her as well and I thought you look right you know I need to put something out there because there although a lot of people are speaking up about it now there's there's not enough out there I'm lucky in a way that my coach is also my partner and you know I'm I'm very open about talking about this and I am very open even with the other male members in my club you know when they said said to me you know gosh I'm sorry you know it didn't your race didn't go as well as you would like to to and I says yeah but you know my period was coming on and there's nothing I can really do about it um and I think a lot of them have become accept you know accepting into this you know it's 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 fine to talk about this um and it should be spoken about because there's a lot of people who've been suffering in silence and 
you know the the more female athletes that open up and talk about it and the more um coaches that can talk about it to their athletes um now that you know there's obviously female athlete coaches or coaches out there as well but um the majority of coaches about are, are usually are usually male um but the more people that do talk about it then hopefully there'll be um a better understanding of maybe why somebody's athlete hasn't performed well um and you know helping them helping those athletes deal with you know the you know the, the stress of it as well um and helping those athletes actually be open to talk to their coaches and so on and their and their teammates about you know why they mightn't be feeling well a certain night and why they can't really push on and training and you know it's um it's something that hasn't been spoken about but it is coming out there you know more and more and you know it's it's great that you know I can put a post out there and then a lot of you know females have have responded to the post and you know it's it's helped them and it's helped them talk about it as well and I also think that it's it's greatly important that women should not feel guilty about this like there is no if you don't perform well then and and you know that this is the reason that you you should not feel a guilt because essentially then you feel guilty for being a woman and there's nothing to feel guilty about and I think opening this up to the wide public makes it easier for other people to understand as you said if you can talk about this with your male colleagues it's incredible and it's it's incredible incredibly important i think mm-hmm. because if other people understand then that helps women not to feel the guilt that a lot of us do and and really we shouldn't because there's nothing to feel guilty for yeah yeah it's just i get i guess it's just a hard it's it is a hard one and especially you know if you maybe run a bad race and you're you're interviewed after the race and so on um and it's you always want to take the positives from your race and you know but it's 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 hard sometimes because the general public are sort of looking at you as well expecting you to perform well and when you don't um as I said I don't like having excuses but you know sometimes you know you need to speak up about why things haven't haven't gone right but you know this is not even an excuse it's a fact yeah it is it is and there was one time I I had run a race and you know I'd I'd come across the line and um the, the week the week before um I had had my period for a race and um, although I ran okay I hadn't run the best I could and um, I was obviously looking a little bit bigger because my stomach was swollen Um, and I'd come across the line to win this race and uh, interviewed straight away and uh, the the male um, interviewer said to me um, oh you know oh this week you're looking you're looking leaner and you're looking this and that and um, you know what's the difference what's what's the difference between you know last week's and this week's performance because you've performed so much better this week and I says well you know I had my period last week so I wasn't he says oh we'll not go there we'll not go there I was actually quite taken back and and it was around the time you know it was it was only a handful of years ago so it was around the time you know female athletes were coming out and talking about this because it is important um and I just said to him straight off well why not why 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 shouldn't we talk about it (laughs) so you know um but how you know hopefully hopefully you know i think people are you know are more open now about talking about it and so on and you know um you know if if it helps you know other you know junior athletes coming through and and struggling with this you know that's you know that's what we're doing it for as well you know the next generation of athletes coming through and you know we're i can't I'm 39 and I'm still learning about how to deal with this when I when it comes to a race. Um, so you know if it's you know if it helps the next generation, you know 
you know speak speak out about it it's 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 something natural um the guys on this planet wouldn't be on this planet if it wasn't for the females so. exactly guys come on <laughs> a bit of compassion here yeah so i was a bit taken back that time but you know um anyway um that's like i'm happy to to talk about it and you know to you know male coaches and my male training partners and so on because i'm not gonna feel great at certain times in the month but do you know what this snowballs because i think well for i don't know what it's like for you but for me personally the first couple of days of my period i have difficulty sleeping well i just don't sleep well and even if terrible yeah and even, (laughs) even if you do sleep you kind of wake up and you feel like you haven't and I think that sleep, and I, this is something that male athletes will understand very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't get the sleep your body needs to recover, you are not going to perform at your best no matter what you do. Because sleep is incredibly important. And now there is a science behind this and we now know how sleep can affect performance oh yeah so I think this is the part that everybody will understand yeah like my watch would track my sleep um and you know um a a couple of days you know coming coming into my period and then a couple of days you know at the start um my sleep my sleep would be terrible um and it's all to do you know with body temperature rising um and and that inflammation in your body as well and oh there's 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 times I'm like why am I not sleeping why am I not sleeping and then bang you know we, we know um and yeah it's, it's it's a hard one because if you're not getting that sleep and you're you're training consistently then you know you're just running your body straight into the ground and it's the it's the recovery part of the the athletes training that is the most important you know you go and you put the work in at the track um but it's how you recover after that it's it's getting that carbohydrate back in on in your 20 minute window straight after it's what you eat the rest of the day it's how you recover the rest of the day it's how you hydrate you know so the recovery is the key part to the whole training plan um if if the recovery is not there and you're you're banging out the training then you know there's you're not you're not going to get you're not going to get the gains you know if you're not recovering properly and and that is you know sleep nutrition hydration and really really looking after yourself you know you can kill yourself on that track there but if you're not getting all the recovery boxes ticked then you may as well not be doing anything <laughs> yeah no it, it is definitely and um i i can feel it myself i mean i'm not a professional athlete but i've started back uh, recently i've taken up swimming open water swimming big time and i during the lockdown i started actually getting back into into my proper swims i used to swim in the pool um a couple of k um a few times a week before and I haven't done it in a while and I'd like to maybe try and enter some competitions because I haven't done anything competitively since my, well, late teens, really. Mm-hmm. I, I I can tell, like you can tell, if I haven't slept the night, I 500 meters feels like 2K. And then you sleep nice nine hours, you feel refreshed and you can be in the water for an hour and you still feel like you could keep going. Yeah, and if you don't get the sleep and you're going out and running these hard training sessions, you're really susceptible to injuries. You know, that's, that's another thing. Yeah, because injury can can obviously injury is a massive threat to um, any athlete, especially when you're competing on such a high level. Um, and I know you've had um, your recent injury last year, and you briefly touched on it. How difficult is it to to knowing? that you have to take uh, such a long break from 
training and from competing in order to be able to do it again because it's essentially short-term sacrifices for long-term gains but uh, short term it's it wasn't actually that short term because it was a year yeah well it'll be coming up to a year now um you know this this week actually um it was the the 6th of september <laughs> so you know along my career you know i've had maybe most injuries in the book i could i could write a book on injuries with running um you know i've i've had you know achilles problems i've had you know other tendon problems um I've, I've pulled my calf um, you know all those sort of niggles and injuries that, that runners tend to have you know plantar fasciitis um, and sort of each time I've made sure that we have put a training plan in place where I can cross train um, and with every injury I had basically I could jump in the pool I could aqua run. We did a lot of aqua running with with my injuries over the years, and that really kept my, kept my cardio health fit and healthy. And when it came back to bringing the running back in, you know, then I was only maybe a couple of weeks away from you know getting myself really sort of back into the the swing of things. Um, but with this this injury, um, it was a break. So uh, it was September the sixth of September last year. Um, I went to a race in Spain. Um, I was hurdling over a barrier and I got pushed in the back um, so I got pushed in midair so I came and I landed down on my foot and I I broke my fifth metatarsal I didn't I let her to scream it was pretty sore but I didn't realize I thought maybe this is just I've gone over on my foot and it's it's a sprain I'll run on because you know I've traveled to Spain I'm trying to get the the qualifying time for the world championships in Doha so I ran on for three and a half laps with a broken foot Jesus are you nuts? not realizing I know <laughs> I have over the you know I've developed a high pain threshold through having injuries over the years you know having physiotherapy as well at times where you know pain has to be inflicted and <laughs> and you know I think the adrenaline rush as well and knowing that um some of my races had gone well and some of the races hadn't gone so well um but I was I knew I was in really good shape and you know I was trying to get the qualifying time for Doha so I yeah I ran on for three and a half laps which was probably around when we counted it It was maybe somewhere like it was maybe like 12 more hurdles or maybe yeah maybe maybe a few more um and I think I I cleared maybe three three more water jumps with with their with the broken foot um it only happened the first 300 meters you see in the race so yeah it happened the first 300 meters and 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 really well when I came when I decided that I needed to drop out um I came off the track and I I could couldn't put my foot down when I tried to walk off the track and a friend helped me hobble over I got put in an ambulance and you know taken to the hospital and and confirmed with an x-ray that it was a Jones fracture so you know a, a break of the fifth metatarsal and to cut a long story short I needed surgery so I had a screw inserted in there um a week later so on the 13th of September I had a, a titanium screw inserted into the foot to um basically repair the break and it was embedded into the bone so that it would stay there and basically the bone would fix itself around the screw and that was to give me the best chance of making Tokyo uh, but when I did get back to the running, obviously I had to wait for the um, the, the scar and the wound to heal before I was able to do anything in the pool or 
any type of you know cross training through this I basically was on crutches for a good while and then I was in a boot and on the crutches so I would power walk in the boots with the crutches round the lake at Castle Wellen Park and it was it, it was tough on the arms but I was getting I was getting a workout um, and it was just who is the crazy lady with the crutches <laughs> half walking people, half people, people would look at me and would be like you know they'd be out for a walk thinking oh my goodness she slapped us twice here you know but <laughs> um, it was I guess it was me getting the endorphins back in as well because that's what I missed um, as you know I was I was out and doing nothing for you know say like two to maybe two to three weeks you know because I'd had the, the major operation on it as well and I just I needed I needed something um you know it, it wasn't enough got I've got a, a small gym in the house and I was thinking right what can I do so I was trying to sort of keep the upper body fit you know by doing maybe armchair weights and stuff like that um which you know wasn't very fun um, I had a little row machine so all I could do was I, I bought a skateboard off eBay and I would put the injured foot on the skateboard and I would sit on the row machine and back and forth back and forth with this foot rolling on a skateboard you know so it wasn't so I was putting no pressure through it when I was when I was rowing and that that bit of cardio wasn't very fun so you know it was like right what can I do right I can get out in the crutches you know because I've got the boot and so on and I built it from there to then building it into a walk jog where I would, you know, I was walking for a long time, um, you know, and it was maybe it was maybe like six weeks or something before six to eight weeks or maybe, yeah, maybe eight weeks before I was then allowed to sort of put some pressure through, you know, running wise. But I really did find it difficult learning to walk again with it. The foot wasn't working properly. The other toes were just not responding well to have been offloaded for so long and then being put in a boot and really the sort of getting back to walking was sort of still it's still painful um but you know I need I needed something I needed I needed that those endorphins you know to kick in because it was it, it was a tough tough time it's it's been the hardest time of my career you know injury wise it's been the biggest setback injury wise um I, I've not had a break before um I've had a few stress fractures and I guess they're treated in the same way. You've got to offload for maybe sort of six to eight weeks, depending. Um, but I've always been able, if that happened, I was always able to jump in the pool, which I couldn't after surgery. So that that was a tough one because I, I couldn't go in the pool. I wasn't allowed to put pressure through it. So I couldn't jump on a cross trainer like you can do with a stress fracture most of the time. Uh, so it was then bringing in the the walk, the walk jog. So I would I would walk and it started. I started off with thirty second jogs and built them up to a minute, built them up to two minutes, and really sort of built that up to where I could run for five minutes and ten minutes, and built that up until um, I was by January I was running and I was away on a training camp in Spain. But all the time I was running through pain. My foot was always sore, it didn't feel right and it wasn't really, it, I was sort of running with a flat foot and um, mechanically it just wasn't working for me. So I spoke to my surgeon and he said that maybe we're best taking the screw out. So in February I decided to have the screw out but that was a gamble because um, he basically said once that screw comes out uh, you need to be very careful because you're left with a hollow bone so you've got to go through a healing process you know a healing process really again um so I was like right what does this mean he says well it would mean that probably Tokyo would come too soon for you so that was the next blow 
um, and it was like right well I'm not running well I'm running with pain um, I'd rather make this decision and do this to be able to you know have a chance of running you know pain free for the rest of my life whether that's maybe just you know casual running and, and not being able to race again well you know we'll see so um, as soon as the screw came out I was able to walk out the door with with crutches um, that day in February um, it was the I think it was the 10th of February I had the the screw taken out um, so I was able to walk out and there was an instant change in feel although it was although it was a little bit painful at, you know because I'd obviously had a second surgery um, there was a, a different feel to the foot so before the foot just didn't like the screw but really I was sort of into that process again of okay you're injured in a way again and you know you've got to you've got to build us back up again so it was back to when I could it was it was back to the walk jog process and and building building that up um and then unfortunately the pandemic hit and there was no access to physio no access to pools to do the cross training no access to gyms although you know I'm lucky I have a cross trainer in the house and uh I guess that was hard not having then the access to the the medical attention but I knew what I'd done beforehand Um, I'm a qualified sports massage therapist myself so you know I know how how the body works and and you know when things were tight I knew how to loosen them out Um, so it was really starting that process again and I guess in a way then lockdown and no competitions happening and then the the cancellation of the Olympics the Olympics getting moved to next year then um, was sort of like felt like a blessing in disguise then and I sort of got a bit of a drive and a bit of confidence off that that I could take everything in my stride and at my my pace this time round because anytime there was an injury before and you know the basically the first after the first surgery it was then a rush to get ready you know for 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 Tokyo coming and uh but this time you know with the pandemic and everybody going into lockdown I was able to then set myself aside and say right okay you're going to take this one day at a time there's no rush there's no goal bar let's 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 give yourself a goal at the end of the year to make the the cross-country team for the european cross-country championships possibly um so yeah so uh, this time round, i was able although you know there was some days where it was like oh you know am i ever going to get back am i ever going to get back to you know how i used to run how i used to compete um you know that's still a question i would ask myself every day but training has gone really the rehab this time has gone really well training's gone really well um back up to running 70 miles a week um as i said you know the races come in and i've just been unlucky with some of the races but you know i'm back running well and you know ready to give tokyo for next year a go (laughs) it would be fantastic to make a second olympics but you know i know that you know there's a possibility that may not happen um and I've prepared myself for that and because I think I've prepared myself well along the way with all the other setbacks um, but I could, I'm going to give it one more shot give it one more go um, the foot's been brilliant um, I've got a couple of other wee niggles going on but at the moment the foot's been the foot's been really good um, um, I'm, I'm back hurdling as well with my hurdles coach and that's going well um, I haven't steeplechased this season there there hasn't been any races bar you know um, national championships at the weekend pass but I decided to run the 5,000 instead and yeah so I'm just really you know ticking off the boxes again and getting the body prepared 
to go into next season to you know hopefully travel and get to training camps hopefully travel and get to some races and we can we can just wait and see you know what what really happens do you know i thought of you a lot during the lockdown because i I, I thought that it might be very handy for you to, with regards to Tokyo. Um, how many attempts have you got to hit the qualifier? Um, you've got as many attempts as as you as you want or as you can you can get. Uh, I, I think I think next year is going to be very difficult because the European track season doesn't usually start until say the very end of May, the beginning of June. So that would leave you only really a month of of racing, and you know, can you steeplechase every week? Mm, I'm not. I'm not so sure. You know, um. So, for me, I would maybe try and look at um the Australian season, which was going to be the plan this year, and I would look to maybe travel to Australia to run their some of their races because their um summer track and field season starts December January time but with the current situation I don't know whether that's going to be possible so I think racing come next year is going to be it's going to be difficult the qualifying window opens again on the 1st of December but there are no races in December January, February, March, April, May <laughs> in Europe for the track. Um, I, I don't know whether some races can be put together. I'm not too sure whether other countries will look at putting some races on because athletes haven't had the opportunity to now, you know, qualify this year. Who th- those athletes? Like there, there are some athletes who have who had qualified um, at the at the beginning of of this year. Um, but there are a handful of athletes who haven't had the opportunity to race, so I just I just don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be quite hard to get into some competitions because because most people haven't been able to race, and the the qualifying window is closed at the moment. Um, once that window opens again, it's going to be a free for all. I think of athletes all across the world looking to to run races everywhere it sounds really tricky indeed (laughs) yeah but i think this is only handful of all the setbacks that you've had as well and there's one one other thing that um i'd like to um touch briefly on when you and i met it was at um causeway living workshop Mm -hmm. and i know that at the time you had some digestive issues and i've been thinking quite a lot about this because i remember whenever i had um suffered with my ibd i remember i couldn't really do anything like for years i wasn't able to i wasn't able to train i was too tired to walk I was too tired to cycle I was too tired pretty much to do anything I was too tired to live and I I know that having tummy issues can really really mess with your head ne- never mind mess with your training routine especially if you are athlete at at the level you are so how did you pull through this how did you how are you feeling now first of all at the minute I'm feeling really good um yeah that those tummy issues had had come in along with the the period issues you know over you know 2018 and 2019 and I was having a terrible time every single day and 
I, I went for tests and so on and, and gluten wasn't a factor. Um, and we never really got to the bottom of things until um, I, I spoke to Sharon Madigan and Sharon suggested that I, I did some FODMAPs. Now, being a runner and doing a full FODMAPs is really difficult. Oh, I can imagine. Trust me, I've been on a low FODMAP <laughs> diet for a long time. For, you know, to cut everything out. So what she said to me was, let's do it in stages and she, she she was speaking to my my coach at the time because um one of our guys was having problems as well so um she'd sp- spoken to my coach and she said um right um get them both to cut out onions garlic chickpeas and hummus and cut out honey change the honey to maple syrup if need be and also cut out you know high fructose fruits like apples and pears so that was the very small FODMAPs I did and it seemed to work and the culprit for me when we brought things back in was onions Mm. and I have never to this day been able to bring onions back in some people can some people can't now I've had flare-ups sometimes um, maybe say I've been out in a restaurant or so on and I've had flare-ups and wondered why have I got this flare-up and then thought about it and thought oh well I had a rice and the rice could maybe have been flavoured with a with boiled onion in it and I haven't realised because um, I think apparently if you say boil, you know, say garlic and onion, the, the chemical reaction there is worse than if you, you know, fry it. I think if you fry it, you can take the flavour off it, but you can't eat it. Um, something to do with that, somebody had told me. But um, yeah, that's really interesting, actually, that you mentioned it because I, I would make vegetable broth. And yes. I put onions and garlic in it. And sometimes I would have a wee bit of reaction to do... Because I strain it. I don't eat the vegetables. Yeah. And normally it would be fine. But sometimes I would have a wee bit of reaction. But recently I bought a pressure cooker. And I found a pressure cooker recipe for a vegetable broth. And it said to actually slightly... Um, slightly brown the onion in olive oil and the garlic before you actually put water in it and Mm. put it in the pressure cooker for 40 minutes so I did that and ever since I did that a the vegetable broth tastes absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. way nicer than before in my slow cooker and b I don't have those issues anymore yeah yeah I think it was I think it was Matt Lockett from Athletics Ireland he he was having stomach issues as well and um, I had spoken to him at length um, in Spain when we were on a training camp and he was he was chatting about how had I got the stomach issue sorted out um and both him and I you know were putting in our orders you know to the kitchen and saying you know no onions on that and so on and um that I I had that was where I'd got I got ill then the next day and um he said did you have that rice and I says yeah and he says I I think the, there was onions boiled in it and then he he was telling me and I, I can't I really can't remember the chemical name of it but there's a chemical reaction that happens if garlic and onions are boiled compared to if you fry them um so he explained to me that um yes you can fry an onion and fry garlic and take the flavor off it but discard of the onion and garlic um but don't boil to put the flavor in and it's to do with some chemical reaction but i really can't remember the name i have to look into it (laughs) yeah if you look it up um and and it's funny like there's a couple of other people have come to me and said did you ever sort that problem out and i says well yeah actually i'm pretty good now um and I think the culprit was onions, definitely. Um, because my, my, my nanny had made me sausage rolls there. 
there um, a handful of months back and um, you know I, I, I had a couple of sausage rolls thinking nothing of it and I was bad for days and you know I spoke to my mum I was like you know did nanny cook those okay you know were they okay she says yeah yeah she says but nanny puts onions in her sausage rolls and I was like <laughs> oh so I phoned her up and I said oh is, was there onions in those yeah there was all right that's okay and she was like why are you all right you know and she just sort of really didn't understand <laughs> well, what had happened and why I wasn't feeling well and I was like no no I have you know an, an allergy to on- I actually can't eat onions anymore and um, had the whole conversation of well what do you put in your mints then if you're if you're making yourself mints and spaghetti bolognese I'm like well I just don't put onions in <laughs> you know what so. you can try if you're really missing the flavour that works for me doesn't have to work for everybody mm-hmm. but for me leek leaves just yes. the really yeah. dark gr- dark green leek leaves that really works for me yeah I'm good with leeks and I'm, I'm actually I'm actually fine because I've you know I've tested other things I'm, I'm fine with the likes of um, scallions and and ch- you know the so, so Chimes, some of, some yeah. of the onion family vegetables I'm 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 okay with um but onions of any sort of shape form color have been have been a no no and I've I've not been able to bring them back in so I have to pick them off things or <laughs> but it's 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 fine it's fine I don't really I don't really miss the flavors because um I've been able to bring garlic salt back in garlic salt's absolutely fine I seem to be fine with that but um, if it's you know raw or cooked garlic or raw or cooked onions yeah. can't do it I can't, um, I can't do that either wild garlic strangely enough is fine for me and even better if oh. it's fermented for some reason but yeah no garlic and onions are a no-no for me as well and another culprit for me is asparagus Oh, I can juice it but I can't eat it <laughs> <laughs> So strange. I'm glad you got it sorted, but you know, I can imagine going through with with these sort of issues if you're feeling crap like that every day with your tummy not being right. That must really suck to run feeling like that. Yeah, I th- for me it was like when it comes up to major competitions, you know, you've got race nerves anyway, you know, so you're running to the toilet. So you know that for me that was like okay, well this doesn't really make a difference. But then again, you know, when I spoke to the sports doctor, he's like, Kerry, you're going on racing, and, and basically, you know, you've got no nutrients in your body you know you know because you've had to be had to run to the toilet so you know I did for a while and then maybe say one hour or two hours before race try an energy gel and that really helped you know really I don't really like taking sort of like the glucosey carbohydrate gels um but you know that that did help um so I I did that for a while until then until I found out what the what the main culprit was um I'll have flare-ups every now and again but it's probably because it's maybe you know there has been onions in something somewhere because gosh there's onions and you know in nearly everything you know you can't you know buy a jar of sauce that there's not so I do make all my sauces myself you know I would buy just passata and then sort of add different bits and pieces in there but nearly everything you buy has has onions in it so it's you know it's now and again obviously you know I'm, I'm I'm maybe eating it somewhere um but at least I find out you know what what it was and um not that I ate an awful lot of onions but you know there was onions in nearly everything um but it seems to be yeah it seems to be completely settled since that that's great to know Which and I, I think this is another you know sort of topic that is quite important to talk about for for any you know professional sports people out there because I think what you're eating and, and digestive issues you know digestive health is incredibly important in in performance I think because it can take the energy out of you and I mean if your body doesn't absorb nutrients properly then how can you function in daily life never mind you know racing and and 
putting up an awful lot of energy into sports performance. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another kind of topic that's probably really important to talk about. And I'm so glad you got it sorted because yeah, now fingers crossed now. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully everything's now working for you, and mm-hmm. and you'll have the you'll have the the time and the space and um to to train and to race and hopefully well fingers crossed for for tokyo next I year know. Hope, hopefully we can hopefully you know the pandemic you know will 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 ease and and things can go back to a bit more normality um but yeah i guess it's the it's the sort of the travel restrictions and so on that that could be detrimental to you know traveling and getting races next season but look everybody's going to be in the same boat so we're just going to have to take it sort of you know, one week, one month at a time to see what's going to happen. See, you were talking about traveling, and this brings me onto another question that I um, that I have for you. Because let's face it, training an awful lot and and traveling and and buying gear and you know making sure you have everything you need to 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 be comfortable when you train and to make all your goals. And training takes up an awful lot of time. All this costs money in the modern world, and. I really wonder, um, at the level you're at, um, how does this work? Because you mentioned you're a part-time teacher, Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine that in a full-time teacher's salary, let alone part-time teacher's salary, you can do all this and you you can travel like that. And do sponsorship, sponsorships come into this at all? Does it work for athletes in Northern Ireland at your level or how how is this financially viable for for people to get into sports in in this way and pay for all the travel and you, you mentioned you might have to travel to australia if it's possible to to get those qualifying races for tokyo next year i mean to me going to australia that would cost an awful lot of money and and i i can't even begin to imagine how financially difficult this is for for, for somebody who needs to do this to to qualify and to progress in sports yeah. well for me it's been self-funded <laughs> it's it's all been the the whole build up to um making Rio 2016 and all the training camps that I went on um and all the races I traveled to it's all self-funded um for for an athlete who's seeking to go and run races to get qualifying standards you you fund it yourself unfortunately um, it wasn't until you know I made my Olympic qualifying standard in 2015 I, I got some um, financial support um, from the federations um, but it it wasn't you know it wouldn't even be minimum wage it wouldn't even be half minimum wage um, and, and that ha- that had helped um, fund some training camps and and getting to some races but you know you you can't live off it um, and it doesn't get you to all the races. It doesn't get you to all the training camps. It doesn't get you all the trainers and gear. <laughs> um, I've been I've been lucky enough to be supported by ASICS um, on the ASICS Frontrunner program. Um, so since 2016, um, I have had most of my trainers um, gifted to me and the gear that I need. So that's been great. But um, for many athletes, it's it's it is just say kit sponsorship where you are given the shoes and the kit um it's it's not every athlete that would get some finance from their brands um you know unless you're a big name like you see in bolt and and so on some some brands do supply race bonuses and so on but that's a different that's that's the next level up um 
uh, I have been fortunate enough to get on some um, training camps with Athletics Northern Ireland over the past few years and where they have funded some of our training camps, which is great. But um, since 2018, I haven't been getting any financial support. So it's it's all, now it's all self-funded. That so. sounds like a, an extremely expensive hobby. <laughs> It it is expensive, but in a way, like sometimes I would say, oh, I'm dying for a holiday. And, and Richard would say to me, well, sure, your life's a holiday. You know, you get to go this place and that place. And I guess when when I go to train in France at altitude for a number of weeks, you know, it's, it's I wouldn't call it a holiday as such, but, you know, it's it's nice to get away. It's nice that, you know, running is, has been my life for so long and, you know, both our lives for so long. You, you get away, you get to, you know, forget about, you know, work at home and you get to really concentrate on something that you really love to do. So, you know, the expense of the travel has has really, you know, it's it's a bit like, you know, a holiday and getting trips a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> so, you know... I guess, I guess, I guess at times it is, it is tough, you know. When when I think about, you know, gosh, the the amount of money I have to, you know, take out of savings if I want to go to Australia to race, you know, that's going to be. But again, I wouldn't put a price on, you know, making an Olympics. Um, I really, you know, if it was a matter of, you know, a couple of thousand pounds for making the Olympics or not making the Olympics because I didn't travel to a race across the world, then, you know, you know, I'd, I'd spend it because it's something, it's something I like to do. You know, it's my hobby. It's my love. It's been, it's been my life for so long. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess it is tough, but you know, there's, there's brands out there that, you know, have helped me along the way, you know, like, like ASICs and, um, um, a lot, a lot of companies you would maybe get your like some nutritional products like um, SOS provide me with hydration, um, and uh, Revive Active are a Irish company that supply me with um, a vitamin supplement drink. Um, so, you know, along along the way, it's it's good when you've got companies that that help you, you know, with with bits and pieces that you need, whether it's to do with the the nutrition or or your your clothing and so on and your your training gear. Um, you know, that that's that's been great, but yeah, we've along the way we've mainly been, you know, paying for ourselves to get to to competitions and and getting the qualifying standards and so on, but but I love I, it. <laughs> I guess passions and hobbies are costly and we just have to accept that. It is, it is, yeah. But, you know, maybe that's that's what makes you so grounded and, and so grateful as well because it's not coming out of anybody else's pocket, it's your own pocket. And so you know how much you put into it, not just effort and, and physically and mentally, but also financially. And, and I think... Maybe in a way, it is good that it works that way because maybe people wouldn't be as grateful if if they were getting just stuff left, right, and center. And yeah, I think I think maybe it is like that for a reason, and 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 yeah. maybe that's what makes you who you are because you have to put all into it. It's not just just part of you. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's everything. Yeah, like there's different tiers of funding, so you know. If if I was if I was a European or Olympic medalist, I would be on a a, a good bit of funding from uh, the likes of Sport Ireland. You know, I would I would actually 
be on a you know a, a good bit of money that you know could you know help me with these things but um unfortunately that you know it's that, that's the way it's tiered you know the the athletes below that there is you know some financial help if you have made a major championship you know you get on that tier for for a little bit of help um but you know i did i did i had received that you know 2016 2017 2018 um you know from from the federations um but you know now yeah now i'm out on my own as far as you know f- funding's concerned but you know the sweeter the victory yeah well, <laughs> i that, guess that's it you know i think you know you do you know you do appreciate things more like you know i can even think back to you know when i bought my first car you know um i didn't get any you know financial help from that you know it was a 400 pound car and you know i took the money out of the bank and i and i bought the second hand car for myself and and i guess you sort of appreciate you know it more that way you know where you sort of maybe see sort of the the younger kids of of the next generation driving around and you know in a car in a car you know mom or dad has bought or something like that and there's just I don't know you know I'm not you know saying they don't appreciate it but you know there seems to be you know you can see the kids that you know sort of save up for their own bike or their own car Mm. and you know they maybe look after it a wee bit more or they're a wee bit more precious about it and you know because it's something that they have saved up for it's something it's you know it's it's you know it's a different kind of gratitude I guess yeah 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 I guess so yeah and I guess you know it's the same you know I didn't have any financial backing you know in the lead up to becoming an Olympian I I got there you know on my on my own you know myself and Richard you know we put a lot into it you know we you know put finance into it we you know time and commitment into it um and you know it was it was really you know my own sort of bubble of support at at home really and and through you know Richard coaching me that 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 we made the Olympics and you know it wasn't until after that you know once you'd made the championship then you were getting you know support whether it was you know from the sports institute getting physio support getting S&C support and so on so it's um you know it's sort of you appreciate it that you know you you got there you got there yourself really you know I guess that's important as well having the support of family mm-hmm. ha- having the partner who understands who supports you who who's there with you every step of the way and having understanding and supportive family I think that's that's probably a big 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 part mm-hmm. that um it must be very difficult for somebody who's literally out on their own, who don't have the family who supports and understand, or uh, people maybe who have family and friends who are discouraging. You know, I think having somebody who totally understands and who's there with you is probably. Yeah, I think you know, runners understand runners that sort of thing, and it's sort of <laughs> this sort of you know, if it was, you know, if you, I don't think. If if I, if I was with somebody that wasn't sporty or maybe from another sport, maybe they wouldn't understand as much. But you know, I think time and time again, you sort of see the part the partnerships where you know, but both are runners, or you know, there's um sort of the, the coach athlete as well, and you know, I guess you've you've got the same understanding about the time and commitment that has to go in it, and the the time actually spent away from home as well, and and traveling and. Um, I guess you've got to, you know, really understand that. So really, sort of the the marriage made in heaven is the, you know, the two runners <laughs> together. Um, yeah, because you sort of you you know understand why they're going away and going away for sort of long periods of time on training camps and so on. Like the, in the lead up to the Olympics, um, I think it was like ten weeks I spent away at altitude. Oh wow! Yeah, and and a lot of that done on my own in France, although. Um, 
out in Font Romeu, a lot of athletes go there to train at altitude. So there was, you know, a ha- handfuls of other athletes out there, you know, people you knew and so on. And, you know, Richard would come out for the, the first week or so of training with me, you know, because we would drive out and take my dogs. Um, and then, I, you know, I'd settle in and, and train myself there. Um, and then he would he would arrive then at the, at the end of a training block to then for me to for me and him to drive home or he'll drop me at an airport and I'll fly home and he'll drive the car home. Um so yeah, you'd be away for a lot of time when you're building up to those major competitions and so on. Tell me actually what does your training look like on on a weekly basis? I mean, do you just run or do you do any other training? Do you lift weights, do you do yoga? Mileage is different depending on the time of year and um, so really sort of when you're coming into the summer and you're you're track racing you know my mileage would be around 45 to 50 miles a week and then in in the winter time when I'm putting in you know the the endurance block I would maybe run about 65 to 70 miles a week Um, I would run every day I don't really take any rest days off unless I need it and I would also fit in um two two proper gym sessions a week where I'm I'm lifting and then every day I would do a bit of band work so a bit of activation work for for the glute muscles and so on and you know have lots of rehab and prehab exercises for different niggles and things like that you know especially the foot and so on and I would maybe fit a bit of yoga in and I just do that at home myself Um, I would fit that in probably do maybe one yoga session a week or something like that I know I should probably do more because that would be you know quite beneficial for me but it's just getting the time to fit that in so yeah it's not just it's not just running you know you've you've got your your bit of your bit of gym work and um, with your your heavier weights and then your bit of gym work for your maintenance and um, you know lots of lots of band, band work to keep the keep the glutes strong that sounds like a lot of work indeed it sounds like a job in itself I mean how it do is, you yeah it is and that's why I've had to over over the years you know in 20 in um it was 2010 or maybe it was um 2009-2010 I decided to go full-time um I was I was made redundant from Athletics NI as a development officer and I decided you know if I was going to make an Olympics I would have to I I would train full-time so that's when I did go full-time and but then in between then when the years sort of ticked over I knew I couldn't really really do this <laughs> without um doing some part-time work so you know that's when you know I I just put my name down for supply teaching and um I've sort of taught part-time throughout my running career although when it did come to 2015 and 2016 um those were the the two years that that I didn't work because I fully committed that to you know training 24 7 basically and rest and recovery and traveling away to altitude and getting the training in there and traveling to races and so on because it was it was important for me to basically leave no stone unturned and you know make sure I was recovering all the time (laughs) we've got some friends joined us a lot of friends I can hear (laughs) hello pup Apparently they have a lot to say about running too. <laughs> we've covered enough lot. Geez, we've been talking for an hour and a half. You see, if they were given Olympic medals out for talking, you'd be sitting here with a gold medalist. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> that should be a sport. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Although there's times where I'm sure Richard would wish I would shut up. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there is uh, aim for a gold medal for silence. <laughs> um, but not now. <laughs> not now. We're not finished yet. Um, would you have any tips for young girls who would like to become professional athletes? Yeah, well, I think really, you know, as I said earlier on, it's it's the believing in yourself and ne- and never giving up on yourself either. Um, I think when you look at um, young girls in sport, you know, I, I especially see it, you know, teaching in school. There, there's a big dropout, you know, when they when they hit their late teens. Um, whether it's to do with body image, whether it's to do with meeting boys, <laughs> being out and about, you know, different hobbies maybe. Um, you know, it's 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 not nice when you see the drop off and and um, you know girls arriving and saying, oh, I don't have my kit today, or I'm not taking part. Um, so you know, I really think it's important for young girls to to stay active no matter what it's what what they do whether it's just maybe if they're not into sport maybe just go out and walk you know because it's good for their health and it's good for their heads but any young girls wanting to get into running um you know it's going to have its ups and downs so really you know stick at it you know I wasn't a massive success when I was younger but I kept at it and kept churning away and 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 I eventually you know became an Olympian um you know really if they believe in themselves you know they they can they can achieve big things so it's 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 really for me i think you know the advice would be you know believing in yourself and and, and never giving up either and and giving everything a go as well because you know i gave the the other disciplines a go the 800 the 1500 meters the 5000 meters and then i eventually found that steeplechase was my thing um so you know and especially in athletics there's lots of different events that that girls can try there um and and try other sports as well you know so growing up when I was younger you know I you know I tried soccer I tried netball um you never you know you never know you know you might be you know playing netball but you might be a better basketball player you know it's it's about giving her giving everything a go and um you know never 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 giving up on on what they want to achieve and if they would like to follow you and maybe get in touch where can they do that yeah well probably best is instagram run carry run um i'm on twitter as run carry run as well and i've also got a facebook page um but probably instagram's probably the easiest that's where i follow you religiously i'm not stalking i promise <laughs> but I, every news you put out it's it's just really so interesting to follow your journey especially since your last in, your last year your injury it's been so great to see the progress you've been making and every time you made a progress you, you're just so positive i do also try like because obviously like there there has been it hasn't been 100 positive along the way like i've had bad days and like there's times that i do try my best to then post the bad days as well because you know everything gets sort of like rose tinted doesn't it on on instagram every everything you know everybody puts out the happy posts and when things are going well and then when things aren't going so well you know you sort of go quiet a little bit um i do find instagram hard at times where i'm thinking like because i always want to put something out that that is going to be positive and that then is going to help somebody but i guess um you know there's times where you know posting if i'm not having a good day or you know if an injury is getting me down you know then you know it's maybe helping somebody that's suffering as well definitely you know so you know i think it's important to you know put the bad days out there as well um but i do think it is hard work sometimes (laughs) (laughs) getting stories out getting posts out um and uh i've never got the hang of this algorithm but (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, tell me about it. I think I I I think that doing social media is the hardest thing. Like it's it's not even the time that you have to put into it that I could spend swimming or you know hiking or doing something outdoors, but also constantly think about how to, not even what to write, but how. to to write it and yeah. how to do you know we're I think with social media we all become so self-conscious I know but I know. how to come across and you don't even know how to write to to be the the, the, the real you to stay true to yourself anymore it's, it's yeah. just really hard and I think that's another thing for you know um for the young girls as well you know a tip for them is to not get sucked into the social media too much as well and not to get sucked into body image either and you know to always make sure they're they're staying healthy and eating um because you see so many you know young athletes maybe go down the slippery slope of of not eating due to say body image or thinking that dropping weight's going to make them faster or better and you know i think that's another area that's maybe not spoken about enough too and i think like social media is is so um can be so detrimental at times because um you know your the images out there are you know of the of the perfect body shape and so on and there isn't any perfect body shape you know I've gone on the track and stood beside you know thinner girls than me and you know I've been the bigger girl in the race but you know I'm I know I'm strong you know I I know I've I've always eaten well um and you know because of that you know I've I've, although I've, there's been ups and downs along the way I have had a strong career and I have got to the point um, of, of making the Olympics because um, I I always looked after myself you know nutrition wise you know I I don't think I I couldn't I don't think I could deprive myself of food I love it too much <laughs> but you know it's so I think it's so hard for young girls and, and this, this whole image and this whole you know you have to have so many followers to, for brands to notice you or get the sponsorships and I, that's what I find hard as well sometimes about you know the whole the whole social media and the whole um the, the whole sponsorship line because a lot of sponsorships now for say kit and and products are going down the line of how many followers you have rather than who you are and who your engagement is to and and so on and um it's it's oh it's just it's just so hard when you see that some young girls just really get sucked into to that whole body image and and the whole social media having so many followers and and so on and um i guess when the number of followers on social media becomes more important than your timing on the track that's when you have a problem yeah yeah or or what you set it up for in the first place you know for for me i set it up you know my social medias were set up you know so you know friends and family at home could really sort of engage with you know what I was doing rather than having to email and send photos to loads of people at one time you know they could get me sort of on the on the one space and then sort of you know as as the running progressed it was sort of to give sort of sponsors a platform there as well you know to you know chat about what shoes I was running in um and what products I was I was using um, you know, so and you know also what I really like is is that people like yourself, you put something on social media, you say take a picture just after training or mm-hmm. out on your walk, and it's it's all real. It's this is how you look like right now. You don't care about having the whitest teeth on the planet or having the <laughs> most beautiful smile, having your hair perfectly done or having full makeup for the photo. 
all right, this is me out there just training. This is what I look like. Get over it. Yeah, you know, that's it. it's a you know it's a sport, and there's gonna be you know blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> unfortunately. But you know, yeah, it's it's again, you know, if I'm taking a photograph or so on, you know, I'll maybe say to my coach, you know, oh you know take a wee video running or a photograph when we're running here um or when i finish the session it'll be a photograph after i finish the session um you know i'll not i'll not take the the phone out and, and take photos or you know or or document it really while i'm getting the training in because the training's important to me and it's important to get that done and dusted and then save the social media for after so maybe a lot of my posts aren't done in real time either you know i'll post maybe the training session of the day that evening um yeah cuz you know you know I can't be running to the best of my ability if I'm I'm running down the towpath here and I'm actually you know filming myself talking <laughs> it's not you know you need two arms to run as well as two legs at the moment so you know it's um yeah yeah just sometimes it's yeah so you know sometimes you'll be doing a story for maybe somebody you'll be doing a takeover of, you know a day in the life of training and you know I don't mind doing that every now, now and again but you know it can be you know social media can be difficult at times and really time consuming at times as well you know when oh, you're totally. doing things like that so yeah but this is important I think if you're talking about young girls and, and um, issues with body image and, and like that I think um, having a good role model like yourself is really important to see that this is actually you know this is w- what's real you know learn to recognize what's real and, and what's just an image for the sake of social media you know women are not all perfect you're not always you're not gonna wake up in the morning with full you know makeup (laughs) on your face and looking perfectly beautiful with your hair perfect and you're you're not always gonna feel great and and, in the best of moods because everybody has their ups and downs and um it it is important because i think if girls look at social media just briefly and think that when they're certain age they have to have um, you know their chest has to be certain size their butt has to be a certain size and their waist has to be certain size and their lashes has to have to be certain length and you know it's it's just really it's not healthy and yeah. we have to be real talking about what's healthy and um, we've talked about your struggles and um We've we now know that you can't eat onions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> tell me, what is your lifestyle otherwise? So you obviously train an awful lot, but I can imagine with with training, you you need some sort of um, recovery and not in just in terms of sleep. But um, what is your lifestyle like in general? Like, do do you do any? Do you give yourself any like weekly resting times? Like, do you go for a massage or do you go for sauna or do you do anything like that? And what is your what do you like to eat and and do you do you eat um that's what really interests me actually the way athletes i guess every athlete is different but do do you time your eating around your training or do you just have three square meals a day or whatever way how do you fit all this lifestyle yeah. and food into your life um well i would i would get one one sports massage a week to try and keep myself ticking over because i do find i get very very tight um so seeing that as a sports massage therapist once a week or you know is is really something that i do um other than that you know i i'll check in with with the physio you know if i've got a niggle or or soreness that needs looked after a bit more um but nutrition wise um you know because i run 70 miles a week and i do an awful lot of training I don't really deprive myself of anything. My diet is mainly carb based because I'm always craving the carbs, you know, for for that energy and and replacing the the energy stores after I I finish a run. Um 
I would nearly always be pretty keen on getting carbohydrate and a bit of protein in um, within that 20 minute window of finishing you know a, t- a tough session to replenish those glycogen stores that I need for the energy for the next session really I'm a big bread lover I actually have a bread drawer at home um, so you know bread bread would be a big thing you know um, in the morning I would always be a porridge person in the morning nearly all the time um, and I'd top my porridge with you know I'd put some peanut butter in there um, fresh berries a bit of muesli on top of it you know it's it's always porridge jazzed muesli up with something. and porridge yeah I, I like that but I have that bit of crunch on the porridge as well you know Um and but I'm quite partial to um the mini Weetabix chocolate chip. I quite like those. So that's my that's my that's my wee breakfast treat. Um, but besides that, like I nearly always have bread at lunch times. You know, it's always like some form of like sandwich or poached eggs on sourdough toast or something like that. You know, there's always nearly bread in there and. You know, I'm terrible. I'd probably have bread with dinner as well. It's, it's. I don't know whether it's an Irish thing or it's a real runner's thing, but yeah, there's always bread in the house. And if there's not bread in the house, then um, I'd usually bake uh, porridge bread, which is really nice. That no, tell me about that because yeah. that sounds very intriguing. Yeah, so I love porridge bread. Um, and you know, I've experimented over the years because sometimes it's it's turned out fantastic and sometimes it's turned out terrible. And you could use it to clay pigeon shit. Um. <laughs> So usually it best turns out if um, you get a tub of, I just use a tub of natural yogurt or sometimes Greek yogurt and you take one tub of yogurt to two tubs of oats and sometimes you get sort of like a, a, a finer bread. I would blitz the oats sometimes just to blitz them up a little bit and make them into more of a flour. Um, so one tub of yogurt to two tubs of oats and one large egg, a pinch of salt, a uh, teaspoon of baking soda and am I forgetting anything and basically mix mix all that together um, and if it's too dry a splash of milk and just basically pop that in the oven now it does take it's a pretty heavy bread so it does take about 50 minutes to cook at about 180 and sort of For the last maybe five or ten minutes, I would take that out of the bread tin and um, turn it upside down so the bottom of it gets nice and crisp and and cooked as well. Because sometimes you can end up with quite, you know, it can be quite stodgy if you don't um, get it, you know, baked very well. Um, But yeah, it's really nice. Um, It's nicest, I think it's nicest toasted with um i actually experimented the other week because i had no raspberry jam in the house so um a friend of mine had, had put a post up they had um i think they had wheat and bread with peanut butter and then fresh raspberries um squished on the top so that was lovely actually i had the other day was toasted porridge bread with um some almond butter and uh, fresh raspberries instead of raspberry jam on top this sounds really nice i'm gonna try it It was actually really nice and then it's it's not it's not as sweetie sweetie you know it's a bit more tart um but then i guess you're not taking those extra sugars that have been thrown in a jam this is great because it's incredibly easy to make it vegan as well for anybody who's vegan because you can very easily make the like I'm I'm thinking for myself now I'm gonna use coconut yogurt mm-hmm. and instead of egg I'm gonna use probably chia seeds soaked in water because okay. that's a nice 
egg replacer and and just plant baked. I we have oat milk always in the house because my partner have given up milk for mm-hmm. dairy milk for his tea now. So I'm really proud of him. <laughs> so we we're now on oat milk both of us. So yeah, I'm gonna make this. This sounds awesome. Yeah, it's nice. Well, let me know how it turns out with the alternatives. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll experiment. It it, it might take a couple of goes because because I think the because the texture slightly different. So I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to maybe adjust the uh, the amounts. But yeah, I'm definitely yeah. gonna try. And it. then you can throw different things in there because a little bit like your banana bread um i actually can't bananas is one thing i actually can't eat as well for my stomach um but i knew that from years back um so i haven't gone down the whole banana bread bacon do you know i've had (laughs) banana bread with banana peels because i can't eat bananas either i can have green bananas and only little but i can't eat ripe bananas and you need ripe ones for the banana bread but you can make the banana bread with banana peels i could i could eat that Oh, and okay. it doesn't cause me any harm. I don't know if it would work for you, but for me, it did. Yeah, but like, like the same. I see the same as the banana bread. You can chuck anything in there. You could chuck some chocolate chips into the, you know, into the um, porridge bread, or some seeds, or you know, just to jazz it up and make it a bit different. But it's something that you know I I like making. It goes really well. It's it's like um, I'm thinking sweet potatoes a, now. <laughs> <laughs> it, tur- it turns really? out a little bit like um, a wheaten bread, but maybe sort of sweet a bit sweeter that sounds good to me i like the texture i can't have wheaten bread but i like the texture of it yeah. and then the thing is because it has oats in there it's slow release carbohydrates so you know it, it does keep you fuller for longer which is good that sounds amazing definitely oh that's yeah. a good one that's, nice. that's a good one we didn't even get to the the, the the part i normally ask about favorite vegetables but you don't put any vegetables into it although i could i could put sweet potatoes in it <laughs> but do you have a favorite veg well, I know it's not onions. <laughs> I, I think, like, if there was one veg I could eat every day, it would be it would be peas. But for me, they have to be nice, sweet peas. So, it, for me, I always have petit pois in the house. <laughs> I just, I just, from a young age, um, you know, there, there was one stage. Mum was, um, I was very, very fussy as a child, and mum, mum couldn't, um, couldn't get me to eat stuff. And um, she introduced, you know, petit pois peas with mint sauce, and that just has stuck with me for years. I just love having petit pois with mint sauce do you grow your own no they're very easy to grow you know are they like the thing is um i do have a good bit of garden there but i have uh two pygmy goats and six alpacas out the back and they roam free so i can't really grow anything because they'd eat them yeah and do you know what gardening takes up a lot of time and you need the time to be running so (laughs) you don't have time to be growing stuff (laughs) but how did the alpacas when did that happen why did you decide to keep those yeah i think richard richard got me the the female the two female alpacas i think it was 20 i think it was 2017 for for my birthday i've always been going on about them so for my 30th birthday my friends bought me a pygmy goat um and then that was closely followed by a second about a week later when we knew when we knew he was pining for a friend he needed a wee friend so i had two pygmy goats and um sort of really the the whole theory behind it was you know if, I, if I'm away racing at least they'll be there eating the grass down in the garden you know I wouldn't come back to you know sort of knee-high grass um, and the pygmy goats have been great fun over the years but they are really cheeky you know they're into everything I came home one day and they were on the roof of the car <laughs> so they had to be fenced in after that um, it's a very random birthday present by the way <laughs> yeah so so you know after the after the pygmy goats um you know I, I was always on a friend of mine breeds alpacas 
and I was always on to Richard oh can we get one of the alpacas can we get one of the alpacas and he was always no 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 um, and you know his his famous saying when it comes to birthdays and Christmas and stuff is like well what do you get a girl that has everything <laughs> um, so, alpaca <laughs> so you know I've been, I'd been pleading for you know an alpaca for and, and obviously they, they come in twos um, for, for years you know and um, opened my we, we were away racing actually in Belgium and I, I opened my, my birthday card that morning and I had the race that night and there was um, a photograph of the, the two alpacas and I was like oh are we going to you know an alpaca farm I was like no no they're yours they'll you know they'll be at home when you get home so oh that's um, so sweet so yeah we got the two alpacas and then you know I thought about you know the future after international running and sort of what I would like to do and you know the whole alpaca farm you know is springing to mind so um we um got a male alpaca stud and we've had three babies since um so that's how there's six now you know so started off with the two girls and the, and the boy and now um there's um two baby boys and a baby girl so um but the gestation period is 12 months um so it you know it takes it, ta- it takes a long time for the baby to appear um but they're they're absolutely amazing once they're born once they're born they're up and walking within minutes um and before the days out um, they're running around the place unbelievable how quickly they sort themselves out and adapt to their surroundings and find the milk bar over at the mummy um and our latest our latest addition um he he's we call him boss baby because he's just a total boss he sprints so fast around the place um the boys are at the front of the house and then there's barriers and there's girls in the back and I actually have two steeplechase barriers in the house and the the baby has learnt to get under the steeplechase barriers and go and spend the day with his dad and his brother (laughs) so he just pops in and out and more so now he spends more time with his daddy and his brother and you know when he wants his milk he just runs into his mummy but like they're very quick like they're they're eating grass on day two of being born um this one he was eating his meal um within three or four weeks which usually it would take them maybe a year to get used to wanting to eat the meal you know they'll eat the grass on day two or three but um it's just been amazing breeding them and watching them grow and you know the plan is to then hopefully in the future have kids birthday parties based around them you know and um that's what i was just thinking you're that's your retirement profession fun farm <laughs> well, yeah well like that's 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 the plan was you know just sort of have the alpacas train them on the leads you know so kids can you know walk them walk them around um the paddock areas and so on and um maybe you know it's a it's an alternative you know for a for a birthday party you know i think uh, parents are always looking for new ideas of, of what to do for kids birthday parties and yeah it's um i think it's a big thing for sort of like hen weekends as well and one of my friends um you know she was due to get married this year but i think you know it's had to be postponed to next year um and her friends took her um to an alpaca farm um i think in wicklow uh, for her hen weekends yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's a big yeah it's a big thing and um i think a few alpaca farms in england have uh prosecco and alpaca walks where you walk the alpacas and then have a wee glass of prosecco afterwards so lots of ideas and, and people also rent them for weddings there you go there's your sponsorship for your so olympics exactly, exactly. <laughs> but unfortunately like you know we can't 
keep all of them because you know obviously when the males get to a certain age they have to be you know separated from you know the females so we've got you know female offspring and you know she she you know can't be in the same paddock as her daddy um, oh do they get aggressive or something so, when they get old? well no they would mate unfortunately oh <laughs> so, that <laughs> so yeah so obviously we have to keep the male and female siblings separate and so on um so really um i would probably look at sort of keeping maybe getting a second study and keeping keeping the females um so um we have two males who will probably be be sold so probably sold to stud or or sold as pets but i'll be making sure they go with a with a another alpaca so they go in twos because they're just like they're just like donkeys or sort of any of those animals that they they need company Mm -hmm. so there there needs to be there needs to be two so um so maybe maybe an alpaca can pay for a trip to australia (laughs) that is a very there is a very interesting fact about (laughs) <laughs> our own Northern Irish Olympian <laughs> alpaca farm and I think they're actually using um, I think there's been uh, research now in llama and alpaca blood you know um, uh, they've been using it for, for tests um, to um, combat um, to, to combat COVID, uh, COVID so they're they're looking at vaccines by using llama and alpaca blood I was reading that recently as well so oh that is interesting you know so um Yeah. As long as they don't kill them for it. Oh no, no, no. I think they're just no, they're not killing no. Oh gosh, they wouldn't do that. No way. <laughs> oh, you never know what people do these I had days. To, I had to turn the TV off one day because somebody was actually having alpaca. I don't mind. I can I can watch when they're they're eating a goat curry or something like that. That doesn't bother me. Um but um I think I can't remember what program it was, but um yeah, they actually actually it was it was the jungle. It was the I'm a celebrity get me out of here. They had alpaca one night. Ouch. I know, and I was like, no, can't do this, can't do this. Like, goat curry's fine, it's fine, but um, I can't do the, the watching them eat the alpaca or tell me what it, it's even like. No, can't do that. No, that's that was just a wee bit too far. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Listen, it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you. Um, good luck with the, your journey to hopefully Tokyo Olympics oh, next you. year. Fingers crossed, but we'll see, we'll see. Well, I, I will definitely keep a close eye on your social media and keep following you. And um, thanks very much. It's been absolutely lovely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Kerry did not get me onto that running track. Um, I think that she realized pretty quickly that was never going to happen. Um, I think I'm just a lost case when it comes to running. But um, she did get me with that bread recipe of hers. And I made it a few times since. Um, it is really tasty. And um, so I've even experimented with um, quinoa flakes um, that needed using up. And... I made it completely plant-based, no eggs, no dairy yogurt, um, and it worked out delicious every time. Um, it is pl- pretty flexible recipe, um, and unbelievably, it really does taste like proper wheat and bread from what I remember. I mean, I haven't had one in some 15 years, but the taste is not something that you forget, and... Um, yeah, you can add different things to it, um, it makes it... Um, you can make it... Um, you can add different things to it. You can make it sweeter or you can make it more savory. Um, I have tried cacao flavor and um, adding chopped nuts and seeds. And I made one with fresh herbs. Um, 
But the plain one is the one I prefer definitely, um, although the cacao one is pretty good as well. In case you didn't manage to write the recipe down, you can find it on our social media. And the best way is to check our Facebook group, The Sweet Spot on a Farm, and go to the file section. Um, you can find all the recipes to date, including this one, in a handy PDF format. And if you're not on social media, all you need to make this bread is two parts of oats, one part natural yogurt. Um, for a vegan option, use a plain plant-based one and um, it works just as well then you need a pinch of salt and um, one large egg again if you're a vegan um, or if you prefer plant-based version um, you can use one tablespoon of psyllium husks or chia seeds soaked in spring water um, they're both a great binding mixture um, and you just soak it for at least 30 minutes another good one is flax seeds um, the milled version if you, if you grind them um, and do the same thing just soak it uh, in a spring water for about 30 minutes um, I've made um, versions with the chia seeds and psyllium husks um, I am I used to use a lot of flax seeds but I don't really I, I don't know why it's just not really like using them anymore then you'll need one teaspoon one teaspoon of baking soda and a splash of milk if the mixture is too heavy again plant for plant-based any plant-based milk will work um I, I think actually a splash of water would work just as well I used I think it was the cacao version that um, turned out quite dry because of the um, cacao powder although I only used one tablespoon um, but I ended up using a wee bit of um, oat milk so you just mix all the dry ingredients together um, then you would add your um, yogurt and your egg binder and then add the milk if you need it and work the dough until everything is well combined and then you shape a loaf put it in a lined bread tin and bake it for 50 minutes at 180 degrees times may differ with different kinds of ovens i have an electric fan oven and the 50 minutes um was actually spot on now Carrie's advice is that after about 45 minutes you turn the loaf upside down as the bottom can be a bit soggy and I do that too um, particularly with the completely plain version I actually didn't do it with the cacao one not deliberately I just forgot and actually I didn't have to um, so what I just did is whenever the 50 minutes finished and the oven was turned off I turned the loaf upside down and just left it in the oven until it cooled down and that worked fine but I don't think it would work with the plain version because it, it did end up being a little bit soggy but if you do um, what Carrie suggested and turn it upside down for the last five minutes it works perfect. It is absolutely lovely toasted and honestly with the plain version particularly you can make it work with anything. I mean I used pesto, I used uh, my vegan butter, um, I used um, a wee bit of coconut oil and I used um, sort of a sun-dried tomato, tomato sauce slash pesto um, yeah I, I used I used peanut butter on it as well Um I mean honestly anything goes and um, yeah it's a great recipe I highly recommend it um, if you'd like to follow Carrie and her running journey you can find her on social media as run Carrie run and by the way I did um, look into the frying versus boiling onions and garlic and um, I didn't really find an answer um, I mean the key difference here is that with frying we are breaking down the sugars in these vegetables by high temperature instead of water so but I haven't quite found 
the answer how the difference in the chemical process between pyrolysis and hydrolysis affects the whole FODMAP thing. Um, my knowledge of chemistry at this point is still quite limited, I have to admit. So um, I guess I might have to wait until I get properly stuck into my biochemistry. But um, if anyone knows the answer, please let us know at thesweetspud at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. Um, I'd really like to know um, the actual chemical released in the process and what makes it more suitable for a low FODMAP diet um, in comparison to uh, the process of boiling. So yeah, um, if you know the answer, please hit us up. Now, this is episode number 50 and it is quite a special one for two reasons. Well, for three actually, because um, number one, I had Carrie O'Flaherty on my podcast, so I'm pretty chuffed with that. Uh, and the other two, um, well, we made it to 50 uh, which I never thought um, would happen. I mean, I never thought this podcast would make it past its first episode, never mind 50. So the good news is there are still more guests lined up. So fingers crossed, we will make another 50 in the future. And the last one is that we've now collected plenty of easy to make plant-based recipes. And a lot of them are seasonal as well and really quick. And all of them are pretty inexpensive to make. So while they are all available for you to download in the file section of our Facebook group. So you can easily download and combine them all together to make your own cookbook. You can also wait for someone to do it for you. And that's someone being me. Um, and this is exactly what is happening after our 50th episode. So I've already been taking some pictures while making all this awesome food shared by our guests. It will take a few days at the computer putting it all together, but I am hoping that we will have a digital collection of all these recipes available in October for our three-year anniversary. So, this digital cookbook will come as PDF and will be available to you for free. And free as in, you will be able to get a copy without paying me anything. You will be able to share it, distribute it, print it, um, basically do whatever you want with it, apart from passing it for your own work. And all I will ask for is that you consider making a small donation to the charity we like to support, which is Mind Your Mate and Yourself. Or if you have any other charity that you are already regularly supporting, you can donate to them and... Um, I will put a link to donation page for my my um in the book. But um if you'd like to donate to another charity, you can hit us up on social media and let us know about the charity you're donating to and your reasons why you like to support that particular charity. It would be great to share different charities and inspire others to support them. Um I'm particularly keen to support and raise the profile of charities that are local um, with zero or very little government funding and that are mainly um, run uh, by volunteers. Now I haven't quite figured yet how exactly I'm going to share this book with you. Um, so because the file might end up too large to upload to Facebook, um, I don't think that's something I'll be able to do. Um, and because we don't have a website yet, I may actually end up um, having to put it into a shared Dropbox folder or Google files or something and share a link to it on our social media um, or do a WeTransfer on request. But if any of you have any suggestions on how to make this available as a free download, 
please let me know. Um, I'll be grateful for any advice. Um, and we still have a good few weeks to figure this out. So yes, hit me up on social media or email me at the sweet spot at gmail.com. Um, it would be great to get this rolling. Um, also, Remember to leave us some rating or feedback on whichever podcast platform you listen to us, if you can. I'll be really grateful if you do. Have a great couple of weeks. Go for a run, bake some bread, and whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.